Um, but yeah, to get back to what we were talking about there, um, with regards to the, the arm and stuff, um, like there's this thing in Twin Peaks where it seems like, again, the hills are alive to use that sort of cliche, but a sense of like the landscape around as it exists. And you have that thing where Hawk is like, he has his map, which is very old, yeah. but always current. Um, and he's able to map out the journey that they're going to take when they go past Jack Rabbit's palace, um, when they're going towards like the vortex and the void in the grove. And part of that would seem to imply the landscape itself is alive in a very old and primal sense. And I'm wondering, like, is there something in the trees, the sound of the trees and the idea of the arm evolving into a tree? The whole idea, like, of the owls as well. Yeah. We don't get in this. It's, it's, you know, oh, yeah, there are minimal amounts of, of owls askew, in the... In the <laughs> um, owls. Is there a moment at some point where there is what, what could be an owl I and think somebody you... says, oh, uh, they're creepy, aren't they? In this, in the return, yeah, but it's just like a, it's it's a callback, and you don't really see the owl. Yeah, I don't think I don't think you, I think you might hear one at certain points when they're going through the woods, but I'm not entirely sure as well. Yeah, and I mean it is weird that they're not what they seem, but they're they're kind of there, but not. And it's, it's this weird sense of it reminds me. Oh, Mirror and Sarah's house is is what we've been told about the owls, and you see the shadows of the owls. You can see shadows of them apparently ah. as you're watching it, which is pretty cool. Um, but yeah, you have this sort of like sense of oh, there is an owl in the house uh, when. when with Dougie, um, apparently. What am well. I gonna do? <laughs> <laughs> but like, there is this sort of um, <laughs> when he when he comes back from Las Vegas. Um, but yeah, there's there's a sense of like again, this is that sense of Americana. We're going to talk about Lynch's Americana. In fact, I'm going to check: Are we due to talk about Lynch's Americana now? Because if we do, Darren has the best. Well, okay, I don't have the best segue. I have a reasonably competent segue <laughs> for 2 a.m. Uh, on, a, on a on a Sunday morning. We are. The next scheduled segment is we're not anywhere near Mount Rushmore. The return as a portrait of Americana, particularly modern America, as an extension of Lynch's vision of the country. So let's talk about this, Andrew. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I, I feel like the yeah, military-industrial complex is... Uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm not, I'm not going to do as well as, uh, as, as, as Phil did. But it, it, um, uh, I, th- I think I've brought this up a couple of times, but they, 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 that moment um, with, uh, with Bobby Briggs and him looking at the child in the, uh, in the combat, yes. in the, uh, wearing the camouflage, who has found a gun in the car and fired it through the window... And and, and Norma's being this, um, as you said before, this this kind of um, uh, uh, shelter and kind of sanctuary. Yeah. Turn Um, off the lights. Yeah, yeah. And and, but uh, uh, somebody firing a gun through the window. Yeah. um, Of this safe place. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And and but he comes out and he looks at this. at this child, and he's he's dressed up like he's in the military, and he's looking at the father, and he similarly like is in this kind of like camouflage, and these are just kind of civilians. Yeah, these are simply Americans. Yeah, um, but th- there is that- and, and and he he's looking at them and saying, well, "What's wrong? Yeah, what's, what's happening there? Yeah, yeah. What? what, what, what uh, and uh, like uh, speak oh, as not Kurt is heading to bed, long term listener. Um, so he's he's just uh, he's heading to bed. He's been here since we started this morning. Oh my um, god! And he's on he's on UK and Irish time as well. Um, Jay is also heading to bed as well. I believe. Um, Amazing. So in terms thank of listeners, thank you so much, and thank guys. you so thank much, you everybody Kurt. who's thank done you, this. It's it's been like again, we're very very lucky that we're constantly surprised that anybody listens to us. Uh, but we're particularly listen particularly touched that anybody's listening live as well, which is is very very good. We really really like it. Thank you so much, guys. Um. But to get back to to the Americana, maybe because um, like I I think you're probably on more comfortable ground um, uh, than I am when it comes to talking about Americana. Somebody who's written a book <laughs> on, on, <laughs> on the X Files, yeah, and um, its nineties But it, it 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 did feel like um, like like at that moment they were kind of saying, "What's wrong with America that we have this yeah. kind of um, madness there?" Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, and uh, like, like I, and to be I know honest, it's, it's not very, just America. I, I, yeah, I, 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 like I, it's the entire world. I know guns this... are very important to Americans, um, and it, it, not all Americans, but it, but it, but it, but 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 that there there they are kind of um, uh, uh, sacred in a way to to people, um, because they they. Um, 
they have it in their constitution. Mm. And I imagine the 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 Rust Hamlins, I could imagine, would would like the Doctor Doctor Amps, yeah. Doctor Amps. I can imagine him. I wouldn't consider it be inconsistent With if he were if he were to say, "And we should have guns, all of us." Um, and they're trying to take away our guns well, it, because it, 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 the whole is, idea is that, uh, kind of uh, uh, from some of the people who 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 want to maintain uh, those rights is that they're to protect themselves from the government. Yeah. This is interesting actually. We should talk a little bit from about tyranny. about Dr. Amp and and politically and stuff like that. Because when Donald was on he was talking about how Lynch is Politically agnostic. By the time we're finished, they might have sorted out Brexit. <laughs> they might have actually. I, I, I mean, know it's a Sunday. Um, <laughs> would that make any less sense than, than what they're doing? But I mean, sorry, sorry. This yeah, is we're the... going to talk politics. I know. So, yeah, it's good that everyone's gone to sleep now. Yeah, I know. Because <laughs> if not, this is the water and this is the well. Um, but no, to, to, to sort of bring it back, Donald talked about how reading Lynch politically is, is almost a fool's errand. Um, and I think he's yeah. entirely right there. And I also think that there's a lot of, like, there's a lot of reviews of The Return which very rightly stated that it was very refreshing to have a place in American pop culture in 2017 that escaped Trump in large part because it was record, it was made, it was, like, written over the course of years and filmed in 2015 uh, before that was. But um, while we're talking about Jacoby, actually, to be clear, because you mentioned Jacoby liking guns. Uh, and in fact, actually, there's been some discussion about that in the, in the chat, a bit of disagreement about that. But one of the things that I find interesting. Well, no, no, like, I'm, I'm, I'm saying I don't. I don't gun rights. I don't, think, I don't think that he does um, necessarily, but I wouldn't be, be surprised, surprised if he did. If, the, if, 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 the, if he was if, written that way. If and, he did, yeah. And this is the thing that's interesting, because I think that when we talked about like Twin Peaks having two authors and not having its own internal canon, and how you get sort of wildly divergent stuff. And again, I've read the um, the the secret dossier and the final dossier, which are Mark Frost's like attempts to explain stuff. And like Mark Frost is massively underrated in terms of his influence on the show. Uh, he was the writer. And he arguably imposed a lot of structure. There's a tendency, I think, to overrate how conventional Mark Frost is. He is conventional as a storyteller by comparison to David Lynch. But and it's a big but. It's worth noting that a the first project on which uh, Mark Frost and David Lynch were supposed to collaborate was going to be a biopic of Marlon Monroe, which was vetoed by yes. the studio when they found out the script was going to insist that Bobby Kennedy was the killer or had organized the killing. And she so was like, hey, maybe not. Uh, but also, I think it's it's the big drop of saliva. Killer Bob. Uh, yeah, but, but <laughs> yes, in a very literal sense. I guess that, have, that came around eventually. Yeah, that is what... Twin Peaks is it's about, about for, for you. you. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> but like Frost <laughs> is very kind of open about it as opposed to, to David Lynch. He said, oh yeah, it's about how Bobby but Kennedy had, um, had Marlon Monroe. Terrible things. Uh, but no. Um, but uh, it's, I think it's a tiny drop of saliva. It's a drop of saliva anyway is what the film was called. It was a script that they wrote together for Giggles. And it's about, it's a 50s monster movie in which a sentient blob of saliva effectively devours a small town in the style of the movie The Blob. Now it never got produced but the fact that this is what Lynch and Frost first worked on together kind of puts paid to the whole well Mark Frost is a fairly conventional dude isn't he um and it is kind of it's it's interesting because like I think the Frost is more overtly political in terms and we'll talk about this when we talk about the Americana but like I think that even when it comes to Jacoby to Dr Jacoby or Dr Amp as he calls himself, and I, that Lynch and Frost think, have very different versions of the character. I think my point about Jacoby is that people kind of these days think of it. Um, I forget what American Amendment it is. is second, it's, it's second, yeah. Think of I it think, as 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 as, uh, as 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 a very a, kind of um, right wing or kind of like Republican um, side of things. But th- th- this 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 is something that, for example, the Black Panthers would have advocated of, for. Yeah, yeah. Um, but to, to to get back to that, I th- that's what I mean. Part like of me, he, he's yeah. he's kind of some sort of a uh, uh, revolutionary. So when it comes to the the dossier and its treatment of Jacoby, Frost is much more careful than Lynch is in the show to absolutely clarify that uh, Jacoby is very distinct from the sphere in which you would traditionally associate him operating. It's made very clear that Jacoby advocated for progressive causes that he donated all of the money from his shovel sales to progressive causes and charities, um, whereas Lynch is a bit more sort of ambiguous about just the anger that he feels. Um, and I think that there's something sort of interesting in that. Like, Lynch is, is very much like, when you watch it, there's a sense that Dr. Amp is angry 
was like it depends what <laughs> like a progressive cause could have been like hey legalize it let's he could arm have been giving it all to Jerry who <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> um, according to Frost was also a massive donor to that sort of political movement as well <laughs> we're going to talk about Jerry Horn later I, I've a lot to, I love like I love Jerry I think you love Jerry too is my takeaway do you love Jerry I think time's up on Jerry okay no. we're, we're, <laughs> we're going to get back <laughs> we're going to get back to that um <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but like politically, right? And it's worth noting that this is a space that's relatively free of, of, of oh, Trump. Oh yeah, by, uh, absolutely. By... And that's that's like one of the things that's really quite nice about it is that it exists abstractly in a way that's not about... When we say it's about contemporary America, it's not about like that sort of thing. It's more a general sense of what modern America is. But it's interesting because like, like a lot of the kind of... Um... Uh, like the re- the reaction, as you say, is people being kind of like refreshed that it's not really that it that it's that it that it's not necessarily saying anything about the um, specifically about America twenty seventeen. Yeah, that's it exactly. It's um, not like this moment in time, and, but it's and also that people something... find that kind of uh, comforting. But I know for like I know it's something that you've talked about online um, about kind of when you talk about culture. And um, look at it, at it through the the uh, prisma of the prism um, of 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 what's um, happening in America right now. Um, that's comforting to you. Yeah. So it, it, it to 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 link these things to the kind of I guess upset you feel. Yeah. About rather rather than to to escape it. Yeah. This is the thing, though, right? And I feel like, and again, this is like Donald talked about the folly of trying to identify Lynch as a political filmmaker. I think he's not, he's saying something about America without being explicitly political. And there's something very interesting, and I'm kind of curious about this in terms of listeners, right? Which is the opioid epidemic that's sort of tearing through the US um, at the moment and is a massive, like, it's, it's, a, it's a human, it's a catastrophe. Um, the number of lives affected and the lives that have, that have been claimed by it and the way in which it's eaten away at communities and it's eroded away sort of the idea of like these communities that existed where people were prescribed these drugs that were pushed by pharmaceutical companies um, on doctors with like free trips and, and sort of like promotions and sort of all this sort of stuff that was used to manufacture a demand for what they business. knew. Was, yeah, it was good business, but it was absolutely terrible um, yeah. morally. But it, it, it basically cut a huge swath across America and this interests me, right? Which is, we haven't really seen that breakthrough, I think, in terms of, like, popular film and in terms of, like, Oscar, like, awards fair-worthy driven films. It's, We've, yeah, it's funny the kind of dark things that don't really kind of, um, um, that haven't been uh, communicated yet. Or sort of, like, engaged in that way. Because, I mean, you've ha- you have lots of films about race in America. You have lots of films about sexuality in America, about identity, about in- integration, about assimilation, about uh, that sort of stuff. The opioid academic uh, ep- and the opioid academic, the opioid epidemic. Um, and I want to be very careful with this because I'm, you know, I'm wary it's a sensitive topic and I don't want to be disrespectful. But it it's something that seems to have largely escaped Hollywood's attention in terms of mainstream film production. I see a lot of awards fair films um, every every year as part of the slate. Um, so I will see films that other that many other people won't see that won't reach mainstream audiences. And there have been a couple of like opioid addiction related uh, films that have been released I'm thinking of Beautiful Boy starring Timothy Chalamet um, and Ben is Back uh, starring Lucas Hedges yeah Yeah. those are two films I can think of in in the past couple of years covering that but and this is the thing I heard the Chalamet one was very earnest the Chalamet one's very earnest but they also they're very much stories it's Steve Carell Um, and it has a montage which is is something to behold where Steve Carell like reads the the like the internet to discover how bad meth is as an ominous synth plays in the background. He's reading it in a dark room with his face lit by the light of the screen that's relaying it's all of this horrible. Not even opioids, though. 
That's oh, it's meth. You're right. It's actually it's just drug addiction. You're right. I was going to say this is the thing about this is one of the uh, treats we have for the next few hours. You're going to learn a lot about different types of drugs. drugs. There. Thank you. We're going to uh, bring in this case. Coffee's here. a drug. <laughs> Coffee's a drug. Um, Nicotine but, is a drug. <laughs> but uh, to, to be clear, there are red bulls here that that Darren has declined. Um, yeah, because I'm still podcasting on sugar. Um, but here's here's the thing, uh, just to get back to this, right? You're right that the beautiful boy is about meth and therefore is not about the opioid academic, uh, epidemic. And you're right that like Ben is back is about the opioid epidemic, but it's very much a mi- upper middle class sort of study of it in a very specific sort of community. It's not necessarily about the, the way that it tears through these communities. And one of the things that I really liked about Twin Peaks um, and, and the return in particular is that it recurrently comes back to how, like, drug addiction, and it's implicitly implied, you know, it like, Sparkle, I think, is the drug that is, as it's described by Red. But, I mean, that drug addiction in general has sort of torn through these these communities and sort of has had this massive impact on people. And you have this, like, recurring motif of... And we talked about this a little bit when we had Kareen on, right? Which is, like, Twin Peaks in the 90s presented this American small town as something adorable and something lovely and something pristine. And like, I mean, there was obviously something rotten underneath that, that you dug at in 20, in 2017. And again, we talked about the, or the double or diner as a safe space outside of that sequence. You talked about where the gun is fired in the window, but generally speaking, that's an enclave. That, that's, that's the that, exception. That's yeah. That, that's, that's, that's what makes the, the scene so kind of dramatic. Yeah. Is that the intrusion into that? But generally speaking, the return strips away a lot of the comforts that people took for granted in the 1990s one. There's sort of like, there's minimal shots of inside people's homes. The only home I think we go to is uh, Sarah Palmer's um, because obviously Nadine is watching it in the back seat, uh, in the back room of her run silent, run drapes shop. Uh, But Big Ed is also like, he's at his workplace as well. Um, And you have this sort of like sense of when we do go home, it's to the, the, the fat trout. It's trailer parks. When people, when we see where people are living, in Twin Peaks and around Twin Peaks, sort of at this moment in time, it's generally trailer parks. Yeah, it's, it's the it's the kind of um, uh, growth business. Yeah, they've 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 they've. they've well, the Fat Trout has been franchised. Forget about the Double Or. <laughs> yeah. um, apparently, Carl's been moved out here from the Deer Meadows branch because he can really sort stuff out. But like, there is this sense that like. I'm having some problems in the <laughs> Fat Trout. Better get Brando. <laughs> <laughs> problem solved but there is this sense that like and it feels very real and very tangible where you have these scenes of people suffering drug addiction the character played by uh, america ferrera who's got this itch and this rash under her arm and again it's a really tangible is thing america ferrera yep yeah it, like again those characters tend to be played by people who you suspect have better things to be doing. But those little snapshots of life in the roadhouse with all these characters that give a sense of texture and place to Twin Peaks that sort of contextualize it, for me at least, uh, in the sense of like America in 2017. Like where you have this sense of people who are living on the margins, who are sort of like struggling, who are sort of like... You have that scene with the... um, with uh, Harry Dean Stanton... um... And Crisco. Yeah, it stop, it stop stop selling uh, your blood. Yeah, stop selling your blood. And, and then it, it, it it's so crazy for for us as as kind of like non-Americans. The whole idea of like stop giving blood because in in um of course like um where we are we can't sell blood. We just yeah. sell blood. You you give blood. Yeah, you donate. Yeah, which is like, uh, but and, and I mean, like, it's great that like he he has this whole conversation with him where he's like, I know that hospitals need blood, but you've given more than enough, and it's very much it's portrayed as like in order to survive, Crisco has to do this because times are that tough, times are that hard, and there's even a sense of like you're wondering about like Ed Hurley. When you're seeing him, obviously, like at the end of episode 13, where he's pouring like sugar in his soup or whatever, and he's making like whatever he's doing there, where he's having his cup of soup or he's having his coffee. That's a really sad image and he's pining for Norma. But there's also a sense that is he keeping Big Ed's gas farm open all night because he can't afford to potentially miss a customer? Is that what he's doing there? Because things are so bad now. Because things are times are so rough for absolutely everybody, you know? Yeah, it's um, like because uh, we we've seen those kind of like documentaries um, 
um, about the uh, 2008 uh, financial uh, crisis. Financial crisis, where all of those people living in um, in tents. Yeah. Um, and this is very much an extension of that because it's not is even it too big to fail. I think there are like a lot of them. Have, um, I'm trying to think of what are, what. Are, um, um, I watched one with Marianne, uh, and I can't think of the name right now. Yeah, but I mean, like, there's very the, good. There's but yeah, the, the, the yeah the, that deprivation. Yeah, there's a re- and there's a real sense that like the the series would have been developed it developed over years it developed over like conversations primarily before a word was written Frost and, and Lynch were just talking about what they wanted to cover. Um, Inside Job, by the way, is the name of the documentary that you're thinking of. Thank you, Marianne. Um, Thank you. But yeah, like the idea is that they began plotting it out in terms of talking about things they wanted to talk about. And they did that for years before they actually took the idea to Showtime and before it was greenlit and stuff. And it very much emerged in the um, um, Inside Job, by the way, is the name of the documentary that you're thinking of. Thank you, Marianne. Um, Thank you. But yeah, like the idea is that they began plotting it out in terms of talking about things they wanted to talk about. And they did that for years before they actually took the idea to Showtime and before it was greenlit and stuff. And it very much emerged in the um, um, Inside Job, by the way, is the name of the documentary that you're thinking of. Thank you, Marianne. Um, Thank you. But yeah, like the idea is that they began plotting it out in terms of talking about things they wanted to talk about. And they did that for years before they actually took the idea to Showtime and before it was greenlit and stuff. And it very much emerged in the, um, it very much, it was called Inside Job. Um, I did just tell you it was called Inside Job, didn't yes. I? Oh, yeah. perfect. We're caught in a time loop. Um, but um, <laughs> it would be something great if we didn't get caught in a time loop, if our, our listener chat did. I'm one to the right, <laughs> behind the ear. He goes down. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, there's this sense that, like, it emerged from the wake of the 2008 sort of crisis. And again, um Frost, who is much more overtly a political writer than Lynch, um, has talked... It's funny as well how uh, (laughs) Twin Peaks, where all these kind of, like, uh, teens who were just kind of, like, finishing um, high school, and then Twin Peaks, The Return, about all these kind of... um, um, kind of older, in in some cases, kind of, like... um, Like, the dying... Kind of our sick characters, yeah. and and that's it. And well, death is is very much like a large part of it, and growing old. I mean, part of that is that you want to have something twenty five years later with the same characters, <laughs> and um, you have to acknowledge that. Yeah, but I mean, like, there's this is the thing with it where it Twin Peaks: The Return acknowledges the passage of time, and this is something that when we were talking about nostalgia, I think we sort of touched on it a little bit with Richard and and with Niall, which is the fact that like. So many of the actors associated with the show are are dead or retired. Many, a couple of them even passed away between the shooting of the the series and like the release of it, for example. And everything is marked in in time. And you have even like Lynch himself as Gordon Cole. Like Gordon Cole is arguably as much a star of this show almost um, as Cooper is in that like he's the one who actively has the journey. And he's, you know, to a certain extent, he's the one who's leading this sort of charge to find Cooper actually investigating or sort of following and yeah oh by the way yeah um marianne points out the missing generation feels very real in small towns absolutely everywhere even in ireland it's yeah. not a particularly american yeah, no, theme absolutely. any anybody who's sort of impacted that and, and you're entirely right that yeah i suspect that even listeners listening abroad will sort of recognize the the trope of the small town that's been sort of devastated and gutted and like you point to the teens you point to all the teens in the original twin peaks it's worth noting that like Bobby Briggs is working as a deputy and, and that's probably the best of them. But Shelley's still working at the diner. You know, um, James Hurley, God bless his soul, is still getting into trouble, but working as a security guard at nights um, at the Great Northern Hotel. And it's like, there's a sense that is this what those amounted to? That like nobody became the new Ben Horn. Nobody became, you know, sort of nobody, even Audrey didn't inherit the family empire or whatever. It's like, Nobody has risen up to fill those gaps, like socially speaking. There's no, you know, is there a major Briggs type character? His absence is extremely noted. You have this sort of void that exists at the heart of Twin Peaks where nobody seems that much better off than they were like when the show was on in the the 90s. And that's sort of like where the town is. I mean, even Ben, even Ben Horn seems almost kind of pathetic and broken. I know this is a... Yeah, it's it's his... um... 
his business has um isn't um isn't as 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 profitable or as dynamic as it used to be. Most of their money is coming from um, um from Jerry's sort of creative uh use of the uh was it the brownies manufacturing various pop brands and pop brands. Yeah, and yeah. But um the thing with Ben, weird. Any, 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 any of our listeners who 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 smoke pot, um, I thought indica was the one that kind is of is it actually a brand? Don't, no, there is like two strains, as oh. as far as I understand, indica and sativa. Um, I like that Andrew's this, addressing this directly to listeners because Darren won't be able to suspiciously like I know a lot about, <laughs> but I don't. Okay, um, I, I, but I've heard. Indica being called in the couch, but yeah, ah. it seems to be the 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 um what Jerry is talking about, kind of it being really trippy, and it always strikes me watching Lynch that Lynch doesn't really um kind of he's not very familiar with drugs, yeah, that he's not very um. Lynch is a man after my own heart in that he genuinely believes, like, he describes sugar as granulated happiness. He only discovered sugar in his 20s, and that's enough for him. Yeah. Um, and and I kind of adore that. I, I've taken to referring to sugar as granulated happiness, because um, it really feels like the best way to talk about it. But yeah, the, there is a sense that, and again, this is the thing when we talk about Jerry, there's a sense that the show maybe is it's kind of taking the mickey out of Jerry a little bit to a certain extent, like he's... You know, it doesn't. It, it ha- um, hi. <laughs> I am not your leg. <laughs> it's telling that even Jerry can't do the Twin Peaks arm trope properly. Like Jerry is so messed up that it's his leg that wants to separate from him. Um, that's how horribly screwed up and how badly he's doing he's this. Not using the binoculars properly. And he's bad binoculars with the binoculars that is showing him something he doesn't want to <laughs> see. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but there is actually in terms of like just because we're talking about the generational gap in modern America um, it's worth noting that the um, like Ben Horn's office is much smaller this time around because when I think of Ben Horn in Twin Peaks I think of him in the Great Northern in that big cavernous room where he's dining or wherever where Ben comes sorry where Jerry comes in with the Brie baguettes the, again it's great that we come back to that scene so often but where he comes in and interrupts the family meal and they're well that's a different room it is but we don't see that oh we don't see that at all in the return the The Great Northern seems smaller it seems much more cramped there's no lobby area that we well, see the, there's the, no the we don't Northern go to any other smaller but the world of Twin Peaks of the, uh, of the series Peaks is larger. Because Twin, the, like it's a, it's a misnomer. Yeah, calling, calling it Twin uh, Peaks. Twin Peaks the return because so much of it exists outside of Twin yeah. Peaks. Because this, this is. Um, does any of it take place outside of America? Um, yes, Buenos Aires. There's the moment, and again, I can't explain it. Where um, the the she dials the number on the pager. Right. The woman who's been working with the woman who like the spike kills. Right. Uh, which is implied to be connected to Philip Jeffries. I don't know, but you have a little Buenos Aires tag on on the screen. That, as far as I'm aware, is the one that takes the scene that takes place outside yeah. of America or in the United States of America. And there, and there is um, uh, Mr. C kind of has... It's Rio a, Mansion, uh, which is Rio really Mansion. in Florida, yeah. um, owned by the Capone family, um, which Andrew refuses to believe isn't just Photoshop of Kyle MacLachlan in a white suit um, doing Miami Vice cosplay. Uh, but yeah, there, there's... Who took that photo? <laughs> Why do they have that? <laughs> Why did Mr. C go, that seems like a good photo it of me? It doesn't look I... like something taken on a telephoto lens. <laughs> Well, it particularly looks like the angle. Realized yeah. that the photo was being taken. Yeah, and it's still walking it's kind a of. Photo angle. for a magazine. <laughs> <laughs> Great <laughs> mansions of the rich and evil. Monday. Yeah. <laughs> um, you have the evil and tacky. Um, I do like so <laughs> that would probably explain why he's not in snakeskin leather because I kind of imagine that even in Rio de Janeiro, <laughs> Bad Coop is still wearing snakeskin leather with his bad teeth. But um, just just to get back to talking about Twin Peaks and sort of modern America and that big gap that you have, like the, the generational gap in the sense that the town's been drained. Like it's been argued that um, like, so there's this quote about like Lynch was asked like, you know, but are you telling a story about, say, the spiritual condition of America? Do you think of the world as mean as cold? And Lynch replies with uh Mark might have a different perspective, but I don't think about the world in that way. And regardless, in terms of Twin Peaks, I don't think in terms of this is what's happening in the world. Let's put it in. Um, 
It's just about ideas as they come. That said, I also say ideas are conjured by our world many times. Some come, and you've no idea how they appear. And they have nothing to do with the present-day world. Other ideas are conjured by the present day and the way it is. So it does have an influence. But, like, Mark uh, Frost has talked about how, for him, writing The Return, one of his big themes, or one of his big preoccupations, was the excess of materialism, or the dark side of materialism. And I think that Charlene sort of alluded to it earlier when we talked about Dougie and about Mr. C. But yeah, you, you have yeah. this idea of, like, even when you go to Las Vegas and you go to these, like, domestic bliss household, um, like the scene where, obviously, he lives with the Red Door with Janie E and Sonny Jim. It's like, weird, though, because it's, it's, it, it, it tells the, the kind of um, fairy tale of... Um, of of not even capitalism but the, but the, the people people living in a um in the kind of economy that we uh uh live in there are so many people kind of just want to win the lottery <laughs> you know they 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 and and that's the kind of um something that comes true for Dougie. yeah so it's like this 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 example of like oh there's this um there's this kind of like um uh there's these lies that we tell ourselves about how everything's going to work out oh it worked out <laughs> <laughs> for a magic man guided by mike from by an angel yeah. literally from another place that's what it took to get lucky but i mean like even like that domestic scene that domestic bliss with like Janie e is juxtaposed against the rancho rosa site which is where Dougie he, is having an affair with the prostitute. He was so long. Yeah. He was up all night to get lucky. <laughs> that, thank you. Sorry. Go on ahead. But you have you have this scene with Janie where sorry the sequence where he's with Jade. Right. And it's in this sort of row of this what we would call a ghost estate in this country. But it's these huge suburban developments um that are apparently all around Las Vegas. Rancho Rosa. Rancho Rosa which is the name of the production company as well, ah. Lynch's production company. Uh but they have like this huge swath of land where they've actually built all these houses uh on there and they're empty. They're abandoned. Like <laughs> you have again, gangs roaming feral through there in their little cars sort of driving round, like yeah. revving the engine and sort of circling the block, waiting to carjack at the first opportunity. Like you have obviously that mother who's yelling one one nine, one one nine over again as she takes drugs and is unable to care for her kid. You have Dougie who uses the the real Dougie Jones or the in inverted commas or the original Dougie Jones, who's using it as a place to cheat on his wife with a with a prostitute. But you have this idea of like suburban decay across America and this idea that you know maybe Anything things that's happening make 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 Dougie J- Jones twist with a prostitute seem like, like the wholesome the wholesome thing that's happening but even even then you have like this really great one of my favorite Naomi Watts is, is fantastic yeah. um, in, in The Return I mean she's fantastic in everything but she's fantastic like as 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 uh Brelva's pointed out here, gangs looking for people who are audacious enough to move into a ghost neighborhood, um, to be clear on what's happening here. But you have this idea of like, even Janie E has this wonderful scene with the loan sharks. Yeah. Where she's talking about how good, honest people, you know, can't afford to pay that back. The banks, we'd only pay 2%. So you should be happy to take 5%. Oh, yeah. She says like less than 1%. Yeah. So on our savings. 25%. And yeah, which is, is amazing. But it's, it's, there's something very primal and very current in that like anger and outrage. Now, admittedly, there's like some sense of like small hypocrisy in the fact that Dougie just came home with 400 grand oh, yeah. and she can totally afford to pay like, back the debts. What, what exactly? Is 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 Jeannie's problem? The next day, she's like, "You better go to work, Dougie. On, you haven't been in um, uh, for three days." Um, it's like you got four hundred twenty-five. No, four hundred seventy-five thousand dollars. He can take a day off. Yeah, he can take a day off work. I mean, like this is the thing, Janie. I know that's not like a, a enough to retire on. Yeah, yeah. And, and and an amount that, but. Yeah, I mean, kind of enjoy that for a little while. Right. <laughs> it, uh, like you, you, you appear to have a a a a house, one car, <laughs> four hundred seventy-five thousand dollars. That'll settle. I mean, she does point out that will pay off the mortgage. I think at one point, doesn't she? Uh, yeah, um, uh, yeah. 
But this, I, guess, I guess I guess it would. But this is the thing with like Janie, and again, I love. I think Naomi Watts is fantastic. I think Janie is a fantastic character. But there's this wonderful almost ambiguity about Janie, and she reminds me a bit of, like you know, the way that we have. And there's been a bit of a discussion about this with shows like Fleabag, for example, where there's this argument about what a female anti-hero protagonist sort of looks like. You know, like what if you were doing Breaking Bad? Uh, with a sort of like with a female protagonist what would that look like and would it be different and how would it be gendered and stuff like that there's something about Janie E which sort of strikes me as kind of like riffing on that concept in that she is first of all she's incredibly selfish she is amazingly and unapologetically selfish her husband has came home with like $475,000 he has gambling debts that he owes her response is not to take the money, pay off his debt, and which she would have much left after that fact. But it's to go down and to put the screws on these guys and make them feel really guilty about, like, taking advantage of his gambling habit, which she is happily taking advantage of by, like, keeping the $470,000 and sort of being sort of comfortable with that. And to basically, to, to kind of manipulate the circumstances so that it's very much in her favor and to use that righteous anger, which is entirely understandable to somebody who has not just come into nearly half a million dollars in cash. Like, there's something very interesting in that. There's also the sequence in which, and again, we talked about this with Charlene, the sequence in which, like, uh, Janie E has, like, has sex with Dougie. And he's the mind of a child. In fairness, um, she, um, it's a refreshing kind of, the, the, uh, it's that um, Shania Twain Kind of uh, don't impress me much. <laughs> where like, but but it's the version of the song where eventually she's broken down and is impressed. <laughs> Whereas like, well, you've got four hundred and seventy-five thousand um, dollars. I suppose you think that's a lot of money. That doesn't impress <laughs> me much. So yeah. So so um, so you can kill a, a, a trained assassin <laughs> by karate chopping. Well, I and I said, no, you don't. Impressed. I said, get your hands off my <laughs> yeah, doggy. And I was kicking him and punching him. <laughs> yeah. so, um, None of which she was now doing. I'm a little bit impressed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's like you've taken your shirt off in the doctor's office and you've lost some weight. And, and you, you look like Kyle MacLachlan. So yeah. Yeah. Now, now I'm impressed. Yeah. But I mean, there is something, and I quite like it is how unapologetically selfish (laughs) (laughs) but how unapologetic so you look like Brad Pitt (laughs) I guess to think that's alright but that won't keep me warm in the middle of the night thank you Andrew Um, but yeah there's this um... flapping hands (laughs) we'll keep her warm (laughs) apparently Um, but yeah like there's something I quite like how unashamedly selfish and unapologetically selfish Janie E is which is great because it's it's something that you rarely see with those sort of roles because again she could very easily be a stereotypical sitcom wife or whatever and she seems to be riffing on that stereotypical suburban life sort of wife sort of stereotype but like when you peel back the layers Watts is having a phenomenal amount of fun with it but the script is as well the script is reveling in this idea of Janie E as a force of nature who has decided that she is entitled to that money and there's no way that she's going to cut into it in any way, shape or form. Yeah. See, like, um, this is this is very useful money, Dougie. <laughs> <laughs> Go out and get some more. Um, yeah. <laughs> which is pretty much what's sending him to work in the following Yeah, morning. it's like, is that... Yeah, she says to him, it's like, um, is that work... <laughs> Is that work you've brought home? You get you better do that right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like the the um and there is more where that four hundred and seventy five thousand came from <laughs> as well. Yeah. Be, 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 uh, so she, she like um she, her 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 instincts are good. Yeah. Because she um she says kind of like um because you end up getting that big windfall from the from the Mitchum brothers. Yeah. Um, we never the jungle gym. And yeah, Sunny Jim. Exactly. The jungle gym for Sunny Jim. Yeah. Every gym needs a gym. <laughs> a gym for Jim. Um, yeah. But I mean, like, there's there's Did some. Do you have a jungle gym? Even the orphanage where we were raised, Andrew, had a jungle gym. <laughs> uh, listeners are getting a very messed up portrayal of sort of myself and Andrew's relationship. But there is, like, I think that it's been argued that, like, 
Twin Peaks is one of the rare television shows, and The Return in particular, is one of the rare television shows that manages to reflect the reality of kind of life in the small towns. Because like, a lot of American entertainment, a lot of the entertainment we consume, tends to be fixated on like New York oh, and Los yeah, Angeles and, and stuff like and that. And the like, thing in... Um uh, in in shows that we're used to seeing, it's like inexplicable how they have money to kind yeah. of sit around and support <laughs> talk their life so much. Yeah, particularly yeah. when they're living in New York. I mean, like imagine a show where people talk for eighteen hours. Um, it's just how not realistic. And how when do they go to work? Um, and how privileged must they be to do that? Uh, but there is Don't like they this... have families to look after. <laughs> But there is, and I mean, like, even people who have, um, like, there's a great quote from Todd Vanderworth, who's talked about, like, how Twin Peaks captures uh, rural America. Uh, and he writes at Vox, he's, he's a film critic, he's great, or a TV critic. Uh, but he's, you know, as somebody who grew up in rural America, I've always felt there's no TV show or movie that quite captures the weirdly ominous sense of stepping out into the middle of nowhere in the middle of the night like Twin Peaks. He talks about the jarring shot of a car gliding down a long dirt road in the middle of nowhere. We talked about this in episode eight. We have those shots of Lynch like driving down roads in the middle of America. And it often feels like two... I think you talked about this in the last couple of days. Yeah. Or, um, or a, 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 a friend of ours uh, spoke about wanting to, to uh, spend uh, time kind of in... Um, or no, I, I think yeah, somebody was saying to me, one, yeah. one, wanting to um, spend time in a small kind of rural town in Ireland and yeah. never having kind of a, a reason to do so. Yeah. But yeah, and and but and it, but, it, but yeah, it, it 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 having this quality that um that um is so kind of um alien, I guess. Yeah, but I mean, like, there's a sense with Lynch, and I mean, it, there's a very valid observation which was made by uh, one of the writers who I took that, which is Frank uh, Frank Guan. I t- I tweeted out his article earlier. He makes a very interesting argument, and again. Darren's gonna go off on one, Andrew, just to give you a heads up. Yeah, no, you're gonna I, get I a, liked, you're gonna get a I solid that, five minutes I like of that arm one. Like, I must be delirious. <laughs> <laughs> I am not your foot. <laughs> um, but you have like, okay, so one of the interesting features of Lynch is that so many of his works um, are about the push westward to a certain extent. Think about this again. I know. Yeah, think about like for example, Lost Highway, which goes from the. You know, the, it goes into the desert, into the Not wilderness. Just up the Pacific Highway, no. Yeah. But I mean, okay. But even even think of things like, for example, like Twin Peaks itself, yeah, which is in north, Washington, south, and the south, north. north. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but even think about things like the Inland Empire. Going to Dakota. <laughs> okay, think about Inland Empire, for example, which is the name of like obviously that area of California. It's known as the Inland Empire. So it's right. it's California, which is the westward frontier. But it's very much inland. But even things like Twin Peaks, which is in Washington. But when you see the map, the topographical map, it's very clearly near the eastern border of Washington. So it's not near the coast. And this is the thing where... where like the, the specific thing about Twin Peaks is it's close to the Canadian border. Yeah. It could be near the coast and near the Canadian border, right? Yeah, but, 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 but that, that, that's not... like like, like the. In terms of the geography of Twin Peaks, your argument is it's, that it's more important that it's north than it's yeah, west. And the the, the federal pr- uh, prison at Yankton in in, in, <laughs> in, in, North in, in in North Dakota is in the 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 far um, the extreme uh, south uh, east of, of 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 North Dakota. So it's 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 in like one of the most most northerly um, points. So it's like okay. It's in the north, but it's in the it's in the uh, southeast of this. But at no point in that um, description did we mention the west. <laughs> okay. um, but like Twin Peaks. Is sorry, like... yeah, no, no maybe I mean, maybe like I'm being have, I'm, I'm being discuss- uh, I'm 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 being kind of like petty. But I but I no, but I no, but no, I feel no, like fair. If, if this is about the west, there would be a lot of kind of. Well, I mean, you um, have that conversation with uh, Wally Brando. Where he's talking about like following Lewis and his good friend Clark, the first Caucasians, um, to have seen this great part of our nation, 
Um, and it's that you have that sense of exploring like the wilderness. You have this idea of Hawk as, as the Native American deputy who has a map that they can't navigate, which kind of brings up this idea of Manifest Destiny. You have, as you discussed earlier, the Hutches having a conversation about how killing has been an American industry going back to like the genocide of the Native Americans. I think that, you know, there's a sense in which you can argue that Twin Peaks is a push westward. And I mean, like you could argue like Richard Brody makes the point that, you know, Darren is dabbing right now. Yeah, just the listeners who can't experience this. But like Richard he's Brody is right, pointing to to the I'm west. not even and sure by the that's, way, west. that's the east. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you, Andrew. <laughs> again. <laughs> Somehow pointing in the wrong direction. Um, but no, like again, Richard Brody's pointed out how you could read Twin Peaks The Return and particularly the final episode um, as this sort of like metaphor, this metaphorical retelling of the searchers. Which is the movie right. about like trying to find yeah, the lost John girl. Wayne. Yep, trying to find the lost girl and trying to bring her back home, basically. Trying to reunite her, trying to like rescue her from like a frontier, basically. And this I, I think it is specifically to re- re- rescue her from um uh her having been kidnapped by a kind of a Native American tribe, isn't it? Yeah, that's the searchers in particular. But yeah, I mean Brody has pointed to it though in a bro- in a broader sense of the American myth of like this idea of like going to the frontier and rescuing a woman right. um, and the idea of that as a western genre but even things like for example like we talked about the really sad scene at the end of episode 5 with the Gary Cooper statue where where you know Dougie is just sort of rubbing it and looking really sad as the credits roll and a bit of jazz plays it's, I, it's, it's weird how like so much stuff didn't really kind of affect me because I, I hadn't um, really connected with with, <laughs> with with Dougie at all I, I um, <laughs> How much of it just zoomed over the head? Yeah, I mean, I started, I started enjoying it when he start, when, 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 it, when, um, when he starts kind of uh, cracking the um, the insurance fraud case, <laughs> the insurance fraud case. Funnily enough, uh-huh. the, um, but um, yeah, that that for for some reason it didn't speak to me. I got, I got like, uh, 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 was rapidly. Uh, uh, bored by <laughs> by uh, by by the character of Dougie. Like it, it was, it was each time he did a thing, I felt like he was going to do it ten more times, and, and was, he mostly and I was did. Happy to have just had it happen once. <laughs> I mean, there is the sequence where he has to be taught to use the bathroom twice. Yeah, which kind of even defeats the purpose of like teaching him. And once. I, I like. I think you saw me watching some of the doggy stuff, and I'm like, oh, for hello. Sake. Well, I mean, yeah, there was. Like, it, it was. Uh, a, we uh, call on. this. We call this the Andrew <laughs> Andy reaction. Yeah, and I, I'm like, I've, I've got things to do. <laughs> um, like, bring me to the end of this show. <laughs> Um, but like I I think though that there is I I don't know I would I would make an argument that there is a western reading of this and what's interesting and again Frank Guan makes this point which is the idea that in Lynch's films even though they tend to unfold in the west there's rarely a sign of the Pacific Ocean in them and we talked about this how this idea of running out of west tends to occur in in cinema and how it's a recurring motif or I've talked about this and you've humoured me occasionally and sort of like Poked they, at it. They even feel. They, they even seem to have taken out the lake, out of out, out, out of, of the Twin uh, Peaks area. Uh, yeah, in in, even in, in the fire walk map. with me. Yeah. Like there's a there's these moments when you leave the houses, and it's like this isn't Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks <laughs> like they like all of these houses that I imagine like um, uh, Donna Hayward's house. Imagine she opens the door and there's like a lake in front of her. <laughs> but it, it, we, uh, f- f- um, yeah, sorry, I, I, I don't, I don't know how much that relates to <laughs> um, um, so- to the uh, Pacific Ocean. But I mean, but I, I think there is this kind of interesting idea where Lynch is sort of like, to then a certain you're extent, pointing east <laughs> again, pointing east as I'm doing this. Um, there's a sense in which uh, now you're pointing west. That, thank you, Andrew. Uh, listeners can't see this, but I hope they appreciate it. But I mean, there is a sense in in sort of in Lynch's um, work, and in particular, I think in Twin Peaks: The Return, where you reach a point where you imagine where you reach the end almost. You reach the sort of like, you know, Western extreme of the continent. And again, you might argue that Twin Peaks is just within Washington state lines. And, you know, you have Nevada, which you have Las Vegas in Nevada, which is just on the edge of California. You have like, but again, there's this sense of like 
pushing westward. In order to get to Twin Peaks, sure, he has to go north, but he also has to go west to a certain extent. But you have this idea of, again, the American frontier, but in Lynch's imagination, it almost seems limitless. Perhaps because there's so much dream space in it. And perhaps because it's so it's dark and Rio deep. as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's part of this, apparently. Yeah. Uh, but no, but, like... Um... No, no, like I, 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 I understand the the importance in kind of um, uh, culture and thematically of 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 these stories of 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 pushing westward and the expansion of the um, of the Americas. Um, it just seems there's so many kind of um, uh, complications. Yeah, yeah. No, I I mean, I understand that. And I think that there is something interesting, though, in the way that, like, for Lynch, the American frontier, when you hit Twin Peaks, it becomes the woods. And the woods are dark and infinite and a gateway to another dimension and something almost primal. We talked earlier about, like, the use of, um, was it Threnody for, for the victims of Hiroshima and Nagasaki? Uh, which is that that piece of music that played over ap- episode eight. But it's also used in, in Stanley Kubrick's The Shining as well, I believe, uh, possibly. But it's also, that sort of like, has Isn't that a... Is there um, a uh, piece of music about the Holocaust? Oh, it might be actually. It might be a different, I might be confusing the two pieces. In in, in, in The, the Shining. Shining. Yeah. Sorry, you you, were, you might be right, I think, there. But you have this sort of sense of like Kubrick, who is a, a massive influence on, on Lynch as well. Lynch has talked about his affection for Kubrick and it's mutual as well. I believe that when Kubrick was making The Shining, he screened a razor head uh, for his sort of cast and crew. But you have an. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That, that, that was uh, contemporaneous. That was, well, keep in mind that a razor head would have been like late 70s. Yeah. Because keep in mind, Elephant Man was 1980, right? Um, it wasn't like contemporaneous. It was when it was already done. It was like already done. He screened he it was as a screening Eraserhead when making The, the Shining. Shining. Yes, a decade later. When was same way that same way when that was The Shining made? Nineteen eighty. No. Yep. What? Do I go to the fact machine check? We can go to the fact machine. Um. All right. You're gonna have to fill some dead air while we do this. Okay. Yeah. Um. So. Um. Eraserhead was 1977. 1977. Right. Okay, and The Shining was 1980. What? Um, Andrew's mind... Are you actually checking that I'm not lying about this? Um, Andrew is so tired that he might actually be taken in by this. The Shining is an 80s movie. Yeah. I just associate it as, 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 as such a kind of a 70s movie. Anyway, I'm, 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 I'm glad I'm wrong. Thank you. Um, what was... Oh, yeah. Um, so at the beginning we have the fireman. Yes, he says um, it cannot be said. Yep, which again is that Lynch pre-verbal phrase almost. Like and we talk, he's talked about how like it cannot be said because it has to be shown. Lynch has talked about his art as like expressing something that he can't actually say out loud. He says, "Remember four thirty." Yeah, he doesn't say remember four twenty. <laughs> And somewhere Jerry Horn is really disappointed that he never got that sort of moment. Uh, so what? It's, it's, it's 430 yards from... 430 miles. 430 yeah. miles. This is interesting. And you know what, Andrew? We're going to talk about it in the context of the push westward. <laughs> because you know what? You, you know see, what? I'm helping you, Darren. <laughs> but you know, you know what Cooper's trying to do there? He's trying to go backwards. And he goes east. Because east... Is backwards, but here's actually, and and it's sort of a vaguely interesting point, and I can't take credit are for you, this. Are you are you uh, describing his his push eastward as a backwards push westward? <laughs> yes, that's exactly what I'm doing. Because he's trying, he's trying to go back. He's trying to reverse it. He's trying to first of all save Laura. You thought Palmer. about how the push westward is actually just a backward push eastward. <laughs> well, you know what, Andrew, you can make that argument in an hour or so. Um, but no, I, that's, I love how we're getting catty already at this hour. <laughs> but um, no, no, to be entirely serious, though, I actually and I think there is something to this. The idea that like if we're talking about Clint, if we're talking about this as a Western and I think we can. I like I mean, you know, you're you're maybe not entirely convinced by the logic, but I think it is there and I think there's an argument to be made for it. But if we are doing that, then at the end, uh, like, where 
I I I I agree that there's all uh, that that um, Gary Cooper stuff definitely. Well, I mean, it's it's Dale Cooper named for for Gary Cooper. Yeah. Um, there's a character on Medium called Fluffy Burger, um, and I will tweet out a link to this actually if I get a chance in, in a little while. Um, but is he's this real life, though, <laughs> or is this fantasy? Um, but he <laughs> he um he's he actually calculated, which is is amazing. He actually calculated uh, what would be. 430 miles away from um, the coordinates that uh, Bad Coop is given, right? Which is where we assume is the starting point of Richard slash Cooper's journey, right? This is this is remarkable. Like I, I fan theories. Ba- the, back back when uh, in in the previous life when I was on Tinder, I used to guess where people <laughs> were Lynn, based yeah. on how like. It was, it, the it, radius away from yeah, yourself. It's especially fun if they were like uh, 4,000 miles away. <laughs> <laughs> they could be anywhere in the world. No, yeah. I, 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 they'd always be amazed that you would kind of like um, a, a guest. Um, <laughs> yeah. It, 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 there, there is a moment in uh, in Twin Peaks The Return where the fireman is is is, is looking at, at, at images and I think, like, uh, swipes one of them to the right. <laughs> and Andrew is like, yes, is this about Tinder? Is that what it's secretly about? Um, that's when he's, is that at the end where he has Mr. C and he's trying to figure out where to send him? Is that what I'm thinking? Yeah, of? yeah. He 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 gives a big, like, uh, thumbs down to... Uh, <laughs> to Sarah Palmer's house, yeah. uh, which gives more credence to the, the Sarah Palmer is Judy line. Um, but anyway, but uh, to be to be clear... The, just 430 miles. Somebody worked out if you were to head sort of easterly, and you have to head easterly because if you head like 430 miles, there's nothing like desert there. Um, you would have to head towards, and this is great, Three Forks, Montana would get you there. About four. Uh, Why like, do we think he's going to a major population center? <laughs> like, okay, thank you. Sorry, no, 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 no. Go, go ahead. Again, like this is this is the thing where I love the amount of thought that's gone into this. Somebody's actually mapped this out. But Three Forks, Montana, because it's Cooper. And there are like three of him. There's like himself, Dougie, and uh, obviously Mr. C. And he's got to reconcile themselves. And how does he reconcile themselves? Would it make you happy if I went along with this, Darren? <laughs> Darren has... Andrew's looking at me like I've already lost my mind. How does Dougie get his personality back? By jamming a fork in. But he doesn't reject the three forks. He takes the three forks, turns the fork around, and jams it in. I've gone down the rabbit hole, haven't I, here? Um, furry burger. Uh, fluffy burger. Um, fluffy, fluffy burger. More, more seriously though, and it is worth noting, he points out that Three Forks, Montana is actually very near to uh, Missoula, Montana, which is where oh, yes. Lynch was yeah, born, the, um, and, the and also of, uh, the of, home of uh, Maddie, Maddie. Yeah, yeah, as well, which is is Lynch's sort of home ground, which is one of the things that sort of makes me think that there's a bit of credence in that theory, because or maybe even Lynch is talking about traveling 430 miles Lynch to his is from own Missoula? home. Yep. Well, he traveled a lot because his his father worked in the Department of Agriculture. Mm. Um, and so he, his father moved around and he would have moved around a lot as a kid as well, uh, which is kind of cool as well. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting, you know, and I, I don't know, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but no. I like, but this is the thing where you talk about the, the 400. This is like a good time for us <laughs> to read too much into things. Yeah, I suppose this is a very good time for us to be reading into too much into sort of twin Just peaks. because I'm saying like, I don't know about that. Darren. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't mean that you have to stop. <laughs> Just keep going. Just keep going. But I mean, I, th- I think, though, that th- there is something in that. And I think that there is something fascinating in this idea. If we're looking at Twin Peaks as a Western and the Western as the formative American genre. And if we're talking about t- what yeah, Twin Peaks I mean, is saying about modern American culture, it feels like it is playing with these Western themes. And I mentioned The Shining earlier. And the reason I mentioned The Shining and we got a bit distracted is because The Shining is this, like, again, the haunted house. I think I described it earlier in the podcast, uh, a movie where the haunted house is America. But you have that in Twin Peaks with the woods, where the woods are old and mythic and populated by entities that people don't necessarily understand, that they don't necessarily have a strong grasp of why those kind of things are there, but they are there. So much of Twin Peaks, and Lynch has talked about this, so much of Twin Peaks is the sound of the wind blowing through the trees in the great American heartland and the mystery that that promises and the horrors that it conceals. It's no coincidence that like one of the other big aural motifs of Twin Peaks The Return, and again, I'm willfully speculating, I'm throwing ideas out there, but like one of the things 
is the screaming, the sound of women screaming, in particular the primal scream of uh, obviously of of kind of Laura Palmer screaming, and that happens repeatedly where the character screams, and it's this primal thing that lets up from inside her. But one of the things that happens a couple of times over the course of the show is Lynch will blend those two sounds that we talked about together. Lynch will blend the sound, this primal guttural scream from inside a female character with the sound of the wind blowing through the breezes as it blows through the American continent and and kind of heartland. And I kind of, I wonder if there's something there, if there is something in that sense of like, again, a primal kind of anxiety about what lies at the heart of the country. Because we talked a little bit about... Like Lynch, and he does, he absolutely does believe in goodness in people and he yeah. believes in goodness in America. Again, we had that, that quote, I think, I can't remember who mentioned it, but it, like Laura Dern said that like Lynch genuinely believes uh, in like the goodness of American, of apple pie and America and all these things, which are, which are great. This very affecting romantic ideal of what America is. But I think that there's also, he's also uneasy well, as well. Yeah, he sees, he sees the kind of... Um... And the underbelly of it. Yeah. It's like cherry pies are, are very sweet, but they also give you the... Hello! <laughs> Andrew, would you like to go to the bathroom again? No, no, I'm okay. <laughs> I, I I was bringing that up in case you wanted to go to the bathroom. <laughs> it would be great to explain how Darren died because his bladder literally exploded. It's Dougie. Do you need to go to the bathroom? <laughs> yeah, I'm dancing like Dougie right now at the moment. I may actually head quickly to the bathroom. Do you want me to check and see what takeouts are open or what what deliveries are? I, I don't suppose? know. Like, like I, 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 maybe. Okay. Yeah. I, I, like, um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna share something with you. Well, I suppose, like, I had, I had a, um, a scrambled eggs, uh, smoked salmon, brown toast. Um, a glass of orange juice and a coffee um, this morning, and then before that, I had have had I had a coffee and that kind of uh, yogurt and peanut butter thing. I wow. think you had a uh, breakfast roll. Yes, that's been the sum total of what I've eaten all day. Yeah, so I I think it's it's it, it, whether, <laughs> whether 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 I feel like having, having, take away at all uh, take away or not I think for for your sake Darren uh, yeah we should we should I'm gonna step out for away. I'm gonna go to the bathroom very quickly so I'll be back in about three minutes um, awesome um, Andrew do you want to talk a little bit about modern American Twin Peaks or anything that comes to mind uh, yeah I'm 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 gonna just uh, scatter through um, some of my actually my by notes. the way. Listeners, this is a rare delight, actually, because like I will concede, I occasionally, when I'm doing the podcast, get to look at Andrew's notes, and they're amazing. Like they're they really are. Like there are points when on the podcast, I will occasionally mention to Andrew, like you got to mention that, you got to explain to me what those words mean in that combination. They're a delight, and I hope you enjoy. Some sometimes I don't know what they mean, Darren. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're talking about like you're talking about watching. You watch so much of this all together, and I feel like I'm just delaying going to the bathroom. But you watch so much of the show all together. Part of me wonders if you can even make sense of the notes that you wrote in hindsight. No, I mean it's 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 a problem. I'll be back in a moment. Sometimes at work when I write down things um, for my own reference and can't read them afterwards. Um, yeah, there, there, there. It was, it was, it was interesting that they still um, referred to there being um, two Sheriff Trumans, um, and the the kind of respect, I guess, that um, the show has for um, for Harry S. Truman, even though clearly they, 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 the 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 character of Harry S. Truman can't still be a um, a sheriff. They've given they've given him a kind of an emeritus um, title. Um, I I I I thought that was interesting, and I wondered if it kind of had spoke to the affection that maybe the 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 the, the cast or the crew had for 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 Michael Ankin, who who who. Who hadn't turned up for it because he it, it, I had 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 retired. Um, I'm looking at some of the comments. Oh, I love that, uh, Brelva. Those those, uh, those coordinates could have been generated by anyone. Is 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 that is that a reference to Dune? As in those footsteps could have been imitated, or is it not? I'm wondering. Um, 
Anyway, this is what happens when Darren leaves the room. Um, he says uh, he says it's a rare delight. Um, I'm going through my notes, noting that Cooper looks to me like uh, David uh, Carradine, um, or or maybe Billy Madsen from from um, Kill Bill. Um, so lots of uh, Kill Bill actors looking at the scene, which we kind of forget about that introduction of Mr. C, where um, we're it's not. It wasn't. It wasn't immediately apparent to me, even though I had just watched um, Cooper becoming evil. Um, I had forgotten that he was evil. I just kind of like looked at him, kind of um, uh, uh, beating up these people who who all seem like bad guys, and thinking, "Oh yeah, um, Cooper's coming into town to 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 sort stuff out." But no, but no, that that. Um, that was not the case. Um, I seem to have written down tits a lot. Um, lattes, lattes. That's um, that's something that's the, that's different in 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 2017 um, to uh, to the original um, Twin Peaks. Um, we have the uh, the the chai lattes. We have the the. Um, it feels like um, that um, horrible cabin that um, that Otis and Beulah and Ray and Daria live in probably still has lattes. Um, I've, I've I've written about how, and I think I've spoken about how this really isn't a show uh, to 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 watch on the train. Um, it, it was, um, I think, ob- upsetting. For 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 other people on the train, I think um, I think I'm going back looking at kind of the first episode, and I'm I there's so many things that I've forgotten about. I've forgotten about Mrs. Green and that whole exchange. I mean, we 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 we've we've spoken about um, read Ronnie Rocket if you're on the train. <laughs> I've spoken. Um, just going back to to uh, episode one, uh, I, I, I oh sorry. Yeah. Oh, you take you man the desk there. No, um, <laughs> I loved all that stuff, Darren. With with um, with the, the likes of uh, Mrs. Green and um, we have um, Harvey, where he comes and is, is 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 like Harvey. Can you open the door? And 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 um oh. and, and Mrs. Green is like, um, do you think she's out of town? <laughs> because if she's out of town, I'm supposed to um, I'm supposed to go in and and and, and that's like and, Lynch pacing, make you waste sort of thing. Yeah, it's like shops. there's this thing where it's like, how are we going to get into this um, apartment? Into this apartment where there's this dead body, and it's like, I have a key. <laughs> After everything, yeah. yeah. <laughs> But I mean, yeah, there's that, that wonderful sense, and even the thing where you don't know what what what's going on with Harvey, and uh, oh, you have a theory. And <laughs> there, a theory. no, I no, like no. The, the the thing that I enjoyed about that was that um, the the woman, Mrs. Green, is supposed to be an idiot, but she's saying like, "My address. Oh, uh, I know this. Uh, what is my address? I frequently do not know my address." <laughs> <laughs> Particularly when placed under pressure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or people ask me my age sometimes. <laughs> and you have to do the maths and count. Yeah. yeah I have a similar sort of thing. Um, but I mean, 